Good morning. This is Dave McBride, formerly of the Murphy in the Morning and Steve Dahl shows, and currently on the Talk of the Palm Beaches, and you are listening to Too Much Scrolling. I'll see you in the future. Scrolling for September 12th, 2017. I'm Steve Foder. I'm Chip Hassenflau. We're just a couple of guys sitting around talking about things that are important to us. Hopefully they're important to you. And if you need more information, there's so many great ways to find more information. I had a great week this week, Chip. You had a great week? I That's had a great awesome. Week. This was a fun week. We, we had our immigration day at school. The kids get to do a simulation where they are pretending to be immigrants trying to get into our country. And we get to stand in the hall and yell at them. I don't know if that's really what the case is. I keep looking for the great food. I hope they make great food. We have great food here in America. Come on, everybody, come come to America. We have great food, especially no, in the Midwest. No, no, bring their cooking style. Oh, that's all I'm bring, looking yeah, for. Yeah, they could. Yeah, you can make that. Well, there, then you can come to my community. You're from Hamburg. What kind of food do you have in Hamburg? <laughs> Come on in. We'll make you an American. <laughs> so every community now has pizza place. That's right. It, in fact, we just got our Greek restaurant. Oh, yes. Oh. So my point is, is just bring all the great food. Just we have bring Chinese it food. Chinese, all oh, the Hungarian, all the really heavy Hungarian food that my grandmother brought with when she came into this country. Well, you got to feed a big guy. Uh, you got to feed uh, a posse, Steve. Yeah. All right. So what did our kids learn? I, I hope that they learn something about history, about patience, because this is this is a very I, frustrating I activity that, that they have. You said patience. So give me some idea of how this works so we understand why they need to be patient. Well, what we do is we, we have them dress up, we have them do some research, and to pretend to be a real-life immigrant coming into this country. We then stand them in the hallway where they're standing in line for an hour to do this simulation of whether or not they will be allowed to enter our country or not. And about 60% of them are chosen to enter the country. And the other 40%, they don't make it into the country. You put them back on the boat and they you send them away? They go right back to their country of origin. And they get very frustrated. We've had years where the kids, some of them were crying at the end because it was such a frustrating exercise. Well, that sounds great, Steve. Well, hopefully they learn what it was like on some level for these people in real life. All right, so when they send them back to another country, basically they send them to a different part of the school. Correct. And they had to reapply. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, this is this is one of my favorite days of the year. I, I really, as the grandson of immigrants, I, I really hope that they understand something about this. I think we could all learn a little bit from simulation. Film at 11. Brings us to our film at 11, our movie of the week. I got to see it, Chip. The movie It. Yes. Stephen King's It. Stephen King's wonderful novel from 1986 has become a really genuinely good movie in 2017. Now, this movie has gotten really good reviews. Yes. Set me up. Tell me why this is a great film. This is a cinematic triumph. It is the best horror movie I think I've ever seen in my life. The cinematography is beautiful. The characters are well-developed 
characters. This doesn't happen in horror films very often. And this is a, a, ch- a story about children. This is a story about children, like most Stephen King stories are. And these children are, are being terrified in the town of Derry, which is where just about all the Stephen King stories take place. And uh, there, there's, a, there's a clown on the loose. <laughs> and boy, is he scary. So Stephen King wrote this book that set, it's set up in the 50s. Yeah, originally the story happened in 1950 and this movie has decided that they're going to go with a 1988 start for this story and then it progresses into 1989 now this is not uncommon for a book to be uh take place in one era and then when they switch it to a different era yeah i think the the thought here is it's the past. It is one generation removed from the film goers that they're aiming for. The past without the internet, without cell phones. Yes. I think that that is going to be a dividing line in our history, where we invented the World Wide Web in 1989, and that changed everything about storytelling. All right. And so you recommend this also? Oh, boy, do I. Oh, boy, do I. I did not bring the wife. The wife was not interested in watching this, but I did bring the 15-year-old, and I'm that bad dad who brought my 11-year-old to this movie, because this was a really good story about bullying, about triumph over adversity, about the protagonists who defeat their fears, and in the end, defeat evil. Now, this is a rated R film, too. This is the largest, widest opening of an R-rated film ever ever well i look forward to seeing this i've been too busy to be able to to see it yeah you had you didn't have quite as good a week as i did but (laughs) you need to see it i i do recommend this to all of our listeners who who have any interest in stephen king stories at all uh who have any interest in those movies from the 80s that we grew up watching there's references to the gremlins there's reference to nightmare on elm street in this this is a movie that is built for teenagers maybe ready player one really is oh having boy. more of an impact on uh-huh. our movies than we than we're letting on because our the book was such a nostalgia trip mm-hmm. that maybe the idea was to to cash in on that before the movie comes out there's always a, a cashing in on the previous generation's things that they loved and this is this is one of the things that i loved in the 80s and also tr- stranger things because of the success of that could have also played in on how this was released um, once again this has gotten great reviews you've given it a really good review I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing this i'm looking forward to seeing the sequel that's going to come out in a couple of years and that part takes place with adults 27 years later so that would make it 2016 Hmm, that will be a very different story. You got a chance to see one of my favorites, one of your favorites too. Close Encounters of the Third Kind is celebrating its 40th anniversary this year, and you got a chance to, to see it. Yeah, you know, it's at the theater right now in the big screen. Yes. So they've re-released it. Yes, I got to see it. I was actually uh, setting up my daughter's birthday party. Nice. So she wanted to see a movie out back, so I set up a outside projector and, and a screen. Uh-huh. And, uh, so you had to test it out. Yeah, test it you out. You had to test it out with one of the greatest movies of all time. Exactly. And <laughs> this is absolutely what I remember. Yeah. This is such a good film. There's a slow build to it. Mm-hmm. There's something unique going on there. Obviously, the uh, Close Encounters of the Third Kind means they're actually making contact. Correct. First kind is you see it. Observation. Second kind is... 
you experience something. They mm-hmm. use the, a sunburn as an, as an example for that. Right. And the third kind, of course, is actual contact. contact. So um, obviously, there are a lot of people who have these um, encounters, mm-hmm. and they are compulsed to head out to Devil's Tower and uh, meet these. Uh, well, ultimately, the aliens. Mm-hmm. Originally, the movie ended, and you didn't get to see them. Right. But now, um, through the magic of uh, re-releasing... There have been so many different versions of this movie. I don't even remember which parts are from which version anymore because I've seen this movie so many times. This is, this is a masterpiece oh, of Steven is, Spielberg's. And it is. Every time you catch something. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a part that, that we, we talked about, I think, last week where we said, uh, this means something. This when, is important. It's right. When, they're making, when he's making the family of four... Uh-huh. Made like mashed potatoes for like ten. It's yeah. a lot of mashed potatoes you got there. Maybe that's all they eat is mashed potatoes. But anyway, uh, uh, Richard Dreyfuss' character is having a breakdown. That's the reason why I didn't remember that part. He's having a breakdown. He's crying, mm-hmm. and then he he decides he's going to build his sculpture. And then he builds a big sculpture in like the living room. Yeah, that was one of the parts that was added in one of the later versions where he's throwing the bushes through the window to prepare for this giant sculpture that he's going to make in the house. Now, this is, once again, uh, highly recommended. Yes. If you haven't seen it, and if you haven't seen it in a long time, go see it. Does it hold up well? Yes, absolutely. In I, fact, I agree. This is a classic film. Mm-hmm. This will be, you know, this is for as long as we have film, I think. I, I don't disagree with you. I love this film, and I can watch it just about any time. You also got a chance to see one of your favorites, Breaking Away. This is 1979, and, and I've never seen this film, Chip. You really should watch this film. This is probably one of my five, top five, top ten films. Uh, this is about a group of four boys uh, who have graduated from high school. They haven't really gotten started in college yet. Um, they are locals to Bloomington, Indiana. In fact, this entire film is, is filmed in Indiana, Bloomington. This is about local boys. And you got, in Bloomington, you have the, um, you have Indiana University. Mm-hmm. And, um, they are called Cutters. The reason why they're called cutters is because there's a quarry in the area, and the locals were the ones who quarried out the stone that was used to build Indiana University. Right. Um, One of the false parts of this is that they considered Indiana University this elitist part, but you have to recognize you're watching the movie from our four um, young boys point of view so they may have considered indiana university an elitist school indiana is a great school but you know it is a public school and these schools were put together with with the with the public in mind that that everyone should be able to who can get into the university should be able to go and have a quality education just like university of illinois is uh has that or northern illinois or, or uic or in southern illinois all the other schools that we have in our state mm-hmm. state schools are meant for the every person northwestern university university of chicago are typically what we would consider more elite schools mm-hmm. but at one time they were they were um more modest to get into everything's just become it's taking this new level of uh-huh. things regardless uh this is a story we have one of the boys who decides he's going to take on this italian um persona oh yes and he speaks <laughs> italian he wants to be a, a bike racer he wants to race with the italians uh when i say bike i mean motor, uh, not motorcycle but bicycle bicycle yeah and so this is his passion he has taught himself italian 
He's freaking out his dad, who's his dad's hilarious. And the whole time he's using the word ID to, to refer to Italians. So obviously he's got a little bit of a, you know, we, we won't really say it's sort of a blue collar way of looking at things. Mm-hmm. His father owns a used car business, kind of a cheat. Uh, you know, selling cars and they're not really working the way they're supposed to. But this is a theme throughout this movie also where, um, our, our young guy who's on a, he finds out the Italians are coming to the area and they're going to have a bike race, decides he's going to join in and ride with them. And, uh, as he's gets up there and is working with them, he's talking to them in Italian. Um, they decide to do a couple things to, uh, to cheat. Mm-hmm. to to defeat him uh and he obviously is um having some problems with that he's like well you know this thing i loved turned out not to be the thing i love and i think a lot of young kids who when i say cradle they, they go through high school and um everything is kind of set up for them they hit the real world and it's a little i shouldn't say cruel it's just not as structured as you know, in a, in a school setting, mm-hmm. and they have, they have a hard top problem with that. Dennis Quaid, Daniel Stern, all star cast. Yeah. Oh, this this has got a, a great cast in it. They're all um, they're all struggling with their own setting mm-hmm. to get started, and I um I, I cannot recommend this movie. Wow, any I'm surprised that I've never seen this. Yeah, probably a, like I said, a, my, probably one of my top five, maybe wow. top ten. I would say this, The Paper Chase. Um, there's a lot of really good films out there, mm-hmm. and this is one that uh, that I, that I should that you should watch. Wow! Opening this week, there's maybe some movies that we should watch as well. There's a lot of good movies. There's a lot of interesting films coming out right now. This is definitely not film going season, but we are we're headed into the winter where we're going to see a lot of really great films put out there this week we've got some good ones the first one is called mother with an exclamation point at the end and this is jennifer lawrence uh you you were at it yes i was and uh they had the previews the preview for this movie came up and it very clearly said so next week you should come back to this theater and watch mother i was very intrigued by that very small marketing campaign that they know that a lot of people are going to the movie to see it this week. Now, this is a horror or supernatural. Yes. We, we don't really know what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is a movie that definitely falls into the Stephen King's It type of category. Yes. And it looks as intriguing. As as It and it's from the the producers of Black Swan, so it's got that really interesting there's, twist to it that's yeah, going to happen. There's sort of an artist, uh-huh. take, take very on art looking on this movie. So I am intrigued by this movie again. Jennifer Lawrence is is one of our better actors working right now. Oh yeah, and and she is uh, in peril in this one. All right, so now we have another Michael Keaton film. Michael's working quite a bit recently. Aren't you glad to see Michael Keaton back on screen as much as we've seen in the last few months? I agree, because he usually picks quality work. He, he does. And this one is called American Assassin, and Michael Keaton plays the the old guy who's going to train this young guy in He's the ways. He's a gruff guy. Yeah. <laughs> He's a gruff guy, Steve. <laughs> the, the government needs their assassins, and uh, this guy's going to be the guy as instructed by Michael Keaton. This yes. looks like an interesting story. He's the best, Steve. He's <laughs> the, the best. best. 
This is in in the Die Hard vein, but more realistic. Yeah, this is much more realistic than Die Hard. Die Hard is is a wonderful, silly action. This is this is almost too realistic sometimes in the trailer. Like, ooh, what what would you do? What would you do? There's another one called Rebel in the Rye. This is the story of J.D. Salinger and his publication of the novel The Catcher in the Rye. Well, it, it seems like another writer who has gone through the war experience mm-hmm. um, is struggling to come to terms with it. What do you do after the war? And he's a writer, and obviously he has Kevin Spacey as his teacher. There you go. So the first one, we had Michael Keaton as the teacher. Here we've got Kevin Spacey as the teacher. I would I would listen to both of those men. This is a... This looks really good. I agree. And so once again, I, I we, we're almost, three for three for so far. I know almost nothing about J.D. Salinger. I know the, the basics of he wrote this great American novel, and I know that he was in the war. I did know that before this trailer, but this one looks like a really good maybe, look into his life. Maybe this winter I'll catch, catch her in the rye. I'll, I'll, I'll read that. I, I, it's been a long, long time. We have a movie called Brad's Status. This is Ben Stiller as a 47-year-old dad who's taking his son on on a journey to see where he's going to go to college. So what we know about Ben Stiller's best parts about his movies is usually they put him in every squeamish situation. Yeah, and watch him squirm. Oh, just watch him squirm, squirm, <laughs> That's squirm. Ben Stiller. And so this was part of that. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is a comedy. This is a comedy. Uh, it looks like it is directed directly at you and I. This is a, yes, a I would say middle-aged so. man struggling with the questions of these kids are growing up and becoming adults, and how are we going to do this? In the preview, I think she, he's talking to a bartender. He says, well, you know, you're 50 years old. And he goes, well, 47. <laughs> That's just another way of watching yeah. him squirm. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, this, this one looks like uh, something I'll watch maybe with the wife. <laughs> maybe not with the kids. This is definitely aimed at me. There's one called Infinity Chamber that is another one. Uh, that's probably aimed at me pretty well. This is one of those very artistic sci-fi sort of adventures. Yeah, it looks like that the budget's not great, great. Uh-huh. But the idea is a gentleman goes to prison, mm-hmm. and uh, maybe it's that prison's a- in his mind. He's got to work. He's got to work his way out of it. We don't know. Uh-huh. But the idea is he's got to kind of work his way out of it. And he's alone in this prison talking to an automated robot that is not, it's just a camera. He's talking to a camera. He's in the Matrix, Steve. Well, he could be in the Matrix or... He took the bread pill. Yeah, if you, if you ever saw the movie Moon, there's a very similar situation in the movie Moon where this guy is on the moon by himself and he has to figure out a mystery. There's an interesting mystery going on in the Infinity Chamber. I look forward to that one. Brings us to our book it, our book of the week, and you have been you've been drinking and you read a book about water. Yes, it's called <laughs> Drinking Water A History, oh, Steve. Drinking Water, right. That's what I meant. It's by a professor of at UCLA. <laughs> yes. James Salzman. This this is a very interesting book that you've brought to us. The the idea of water being so critical to the things that we do. Well, uh, we're humans, Steve, and, and we yes. like water. Yes, we do. In fact, we could go without food for a while, but going without water eventually 
is doesn't much work. more challenging. Right. Yes. All right. So this book on the surface probably doesn't look that interesting. But just under the surface. Uh, just under the surface. <laughs> that's right. Just under the surface where the bubbles are. Hey, this is a great f- book. I learned so much during it. In fact, a couple of weeks ago, we, we reviewed a book where we were talking about some of the diseases. Uh, the uh, epidemics that went through certain areas. I got two of the same s- stories in this book. The, hmm. the one, I think it was in London, where the, um, the water was tainted from a well. A lot of people had died from a short area around it. Hmm. And uh, there were a couple outliers on it. They found out those people had gone to that well because they liked the taste of the water. And brought the water somewhere else, and yeah. they got sick as well. And if I remember pro- uh correctly it was all started from you know somebody throwing a diaper down the well wow so um the 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 point of this this is a history of water uh it talks a little bit of the legal uh, around i think this gentleman has a legal background he's a law professor um uh but it talks a little bit about um how we emerge to find clean drinking water spots, mm-hmm. how we look to preserve those clean drinking water spots. And let's just, let's just go back, uh, yeah, I don't know, 3,000, 4,000 years ago. You know, we're walking around and we find this hole that's got clean water. Mm-hmm. Well, we all, um, determine that, uh, there'll be no fires nearby. Mm-hmm. Um, we will not use the restroom in this water. Mm-hmm. This is for drinking water. And so these may become sacred areas. Uh, they may. Because mm-hmm. just the idea of creating a, a special status for it, because this is where we can come get water. Mm-hmm. Now, what if somebody comes from outside our group and they're thirsty? Well, uh, in many societies, they have priority. Um, as in, you are human, you've arrived, you say you're thirsty, you can use our drinking water. And that leads us to a, a, maybe there's a right to clean water. Well, maybe. Maybe, but not all societies have that. That's true. Because there was a scene in Lawrence of Arabia where Lawrence and this this guide, they show up at an oasis. And uh, I think the gentleman said something like, we can't drink here. This is another person's water. Hmm. And think of it, you're in a desert. Right. You're now, desperate. And uh, Well, you're desperate, but also water rights are so important. Right. Anyway, uh, Lawrence drank from it. And the other guy, I think, drank from it and was shot, if I remember the scene correctly. And that's how we got Mad Max. <laughs> Could be. <laughs> Could be. Uh, we eventually start moving up uh, to like Roman uh, aquifers. Mm-hmm. Um, the idea of bringing clean water to a uh, society. A delivery system. Absolutely. Changes everything about the society. But it's just equally important to get rid of the waste. Absolutely. Because humans have waste, Steve. Yes. Yes, they do. Everybody poops. I've I've heard that, yes. All right. So anyway, because of Roman ingenuity in doing this, what they were able to do is keep Rome clean. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, it wasn't perfect, but my goodness, where they were to where they are at that point was very good. When Rome fell, we did not recover uh, probably until the late 1800s, maybe 1900s. Uh, or maybe even even later than that, you know, indoor plumbing mm-hmm. eventually arrived to our homes. Right. Um, I mean, that was probably your great grandparents or maybe great great grandparents. Wow. Uh, group, and th- and that's just amazing. We used to have to go to, um, like in in, in Italy, maybe you go to a, a fountain. Mm-hmm. Like it, all these places had fountain. It was kind of outdoor air conditioning, and also an outdoor place to be able to get water. Right. And, you know, um, we talked about Venice, how they created um, all these places. They ca- caught rainwater 
and they create these urns in the area. I mean, how, how do you get uh, water in Venice? Anyway, so we get all these great s- stories. We get the, the dangers of germs. We get, um, you know, there were times where the, think of the industrial rivers and all that got so polluted. You know, we drank from that water. We used that water to use the restroom, and then we dumped um, waste in that water from the um, industries. And we still have those questions today about what we're putting into our water. Well, the the, the um, at that point, we did clean up that water. Mm-hmm. You know, we created places on how to divert water. In fact, um, what is the word? In Chicago. In fact, Chicago's got a, um, the way we did set up our water system in Chicago proper is they actually they could not dig below to put that. They actually built the water uh, delivery system on top, and then they raised the the roads on top of that. Mm-hmm. So if you were on the ground floor, you may be a sub basement now. Wow! Uh, at the time, so there is a uh, Chicago part of of this, but we also reversed. The course of a river. <laughs> we it, it used to Stunning. flow one way, right? And now it flows into the Mississippi. Uh huh. So I mean, what we've been able to do as humans mm-hmm. uh, to nature has been absolutely uh, amazing because we are very lucky here in the Midwest that we have large, large bodies of clean water. And uh, if you were in an area like Atlanta. Or um, down in San Antonio, mm-hmm. or um, you know, in North Carolina, in Raleigh, getting the water. They came from lakes and stuff. And who has the right to drain those lakes? And then you think of you know the water from the from the Rocky Mountains getting down to Los Angeles, right. fresh, clean water. Until we learn a way to take ocean water and turn it into drinking water mm-hmm. that tastes great, it becomes a real real challenge. Right. The other thing we talk a little bit about is how to clean the water, and um, I don't know if you've ever been to a beach area where it smells like sulfur. It smells Mm -hmm. like rotten eggs. Like Florida. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, anyway, they've worked real hard over the last 20 or 30 years to clean that smell up Hmm. uh, through filtering. Anyway, I love this book. Um, Wow. This is really uh, recommended for just sort of an intellectual um, journey on something that you don't really think about. That is, that is amazing. I love how we, we can find these books that are, that are something as simple as the title, Drinking Water, A History, and you find all of this information in there. Now, he wrote this book because there had not been a book written about this before, is huh. what he said. So uh, kudos to that. And our professors and uh, universities seem to produce a lot of interesting stuff. There you go. That's called Drinking Water, A History by James Salzman. You can find it in our Amazon store, amazon.toomuchscrolling.com. Scroll with it. Brings us to our scroll with it, and it's Tuesday, Chip. It's September 12th, it Steve. September 12th. And that brings a smile to my face because today is an Apple event. They get to show us what they're going to try to sell us for the next, what, six months between now and and the next thing that comes out. It's amazing they've become events. They have created events. Apple has been really good at this for at least the last 10 years. This is the 10th anniversary of when Steve Jobs showed us the first iPhone. That event was a spectacle. Now, Apple has built itself into, I think, the wealthiest company in the world. 
they they have had that moniker over Exxon a couple of different times. I'm not sure if they are currently number one okay. or, or number two, but Re- regardless, they're that, huge. It's a massively important company. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this is really a crossroads for them, isn't it? I agree. It? I absolutely think that this presentation today that we're going to, I'm going to watch in class. Don't tell my principal. That, that I'm going to watch with my students. I think that this is a crossroads. I think that they have been the innovator on so many fronts for so long now. And the last few iterations of the iPhone have not been all that spectacular. Well, you know, we're marginally moving up. They mm-hmm. get better and better. And, and to be honest with you, it's um, still amazing what oh. we have available, and but the deal is is that we still are paying premium for Apple products, and the idea is going to be one day if you know, as we were using, th- th- there's a rumor right now that they're going to release thousand uh, dollar iPhones. Yep, there might very well be a thousand dollar iPhone presented so, today. So Steve's got four people in his family. Mm-hmm. For a family of four, that would be four thousand dollars if you replaced them all at one. Telephones. Now the question is. Whether that is going to be worthy of those types of resources dedicated. That's, that's a lot of money. That is a lot of money. And, and they have to be presenting us with some reason, some value for that. Well, and particularly since if we went on the low end, mm-hmm. you know, we could probably get four quality phones. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about you'd sacrifice some, but certainly not. Not a lot. Uh, that much. I mean, mm-hmm. people drive 10 year old automobiles, Steve. Sure they do. Um, and the idea is that you could probably get them for what fifty, a hundred bucks each. Yeah. So two or four hundred bucks for four thousand. What makes that leap that important? And I think that's what Apple needs to show us today. They need to show us something that makes us go wow again. Okay. I, I'm not sure that I've said wow during an Apple event in a couple of years. Okay, and, and that tells me something supposedly we are going to see three different iphone models today so i expect that rumor to come true we're going to see what they've done with their ar kit their augmented reality Mm. presentation is going to be something to watch today if they are on the cutting edge of augmented reality if they're the company that gets us to the next step this might be a very important presentation facial recognition is yeah that's there's in fact, I saw an article that I'm not going to link here, but basically saying that if you even wore a disguise mm-hmm. with facial recognition, we can now tell who you are. Yeah, there there might be a big leap in facial recognition here, and that one that one is uh, fascinating and terrifying. Steve, you can never escape. You can never escape once the facial recognition software is good enough. There's a rumor that there's going to be no home button on the new iPhone. We'll see what that comes out with, and whether or not there's going to be a fingerprint reader. I've really come to rely on the fingerprint reader on my Google Pixel. Mm-hmm. It is my password for every every website i i have a password manager that i just log in with my fingerprint and that's it if they're taking that away i i'm not interested in that iphone well we'll see we'll see what ends up happening we will see that's the apple event but that's not that's good news that's the good news of the day the the sad news is what happened last week with a company who basically's business is collecting data and they lost some of it. Well, not just some of it. They a lost lot of it. a lot of it. And, uh, you know, once again, we're the product. Mm-hmm. And they did not properly secure us. Yeah, this is Equifax, the credit reporting agency. They lost, they had stolen 143 million people's data. That's, that's pretty stunning. 
That, that's amazing. Now, this is names, social security numbers, birth dates. This is all... All the, of your information. All the information. Mm-hmm. This is ridiculous. They did not take security seriously enough. Why isn't everything encrypted? And salted and hashed and, and kept so very secure. And this happened a while ago. It didn't mm-hmm. just happen. Right. And they're just getting this out to us. Right. So once again, there's a second part to this. This is a really, this is um, a, a good example of the danger of data collecting mm-hmm. and then having a company build a business model around it and just not taking their business seriously. Yeah, there's there's going to be some blowback from this. Uh, former Georgia governor is filing a class action lawsuit on our behalf. Uh, there's going to be some court- great. Your 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 thirty bucks will be in the mail. Uh, your nine dollars and eight cents. Was it, do you remember the movie The Jerk? Yes, that's right. <laughs> well, I mean, the idea of a yeah. class action lawsuit sounds like oh, well, great. Okay, we're, it's the, not coming back. The challenges the individual have to go through. Mm-hmm. Think, putting your taxes in, uh-huh. um, applying for credit, uh, telling people who you are. If all those proving who you are, if all those things have been taken from you, it really is kind of a, a sh- it's a shocking event. It's a it's really hard to get any of that back. So what you should do is check Equifax. They have put up together a website called EquifaxSecurity2017.com, and you can search Equifax and see if your data was a part of the data that was stolen. Sure. If you still believe in Equifax. You can get your annual credit report. You can find out if anything weird is being done on your name, on your good name. You should do that anyway. There's three uh, There's three uh, uh, credit reporting bureaus, mm-hmm. and uh, you can get one free from them each year. Correct. And what you could do is just do it different times of the year. You mm-hmm. know, do one in January, one in June, and then one in September, that mm-hmm. type of thing. And if your identity has been compromised, there are a few things that you can do. You can go to identitytheft.gov and find a pretty comprehensive list of, of the steps you could take if you find out that something is amiss with your identity. The summer box office numbers are in, and uh, boy, it, it is officially the worst summer box office numbers in over a decade for movies. For movies, yeah. for movies. And that, I think that has to deal with the bid budgets that they have producing many of these films. The, the money keeps going higher and higher on the amount that it costs to make a movie to be competitive, and... I don't the, know how many are going to the theaters anymore. Well, the, the break-even point yeah. is uh, challenging. Now you've got U.S. and uh, and the overseas market. Oh, sure. The international with. market is certainly a big part of the conversation now. But at some point, we're, we're going to have to come to a, a where we'll have our big budget. You'll have the Avengers coming out. Mm-hmm. You'll have your Spider-Man coming out. But then we'll get, we're going to have to start seeing movies that are going to have... Uh, yeah, maybe just more reasonable budgets. And we see a lot of that with the different production companies that are working now. We've got Netflix coming out with such wonderful sure. things, and Amazon Studios. Even Hulu is putting together productions that are very good. And even Apple is, is dedicating resources to that. Yeah, we'll see what happens with that. The planet of the apps did not work out very well. Well, they just hired somebody. Anyway, it doesn't matter. The point is, yeah. is that even the, the more modest um, films are being picked up by the Netflix and stuff like that. Right. So the movie theaters are going to have to figure out something. It's the movie theaters that are suffering with, with the box office numbers, that's for sure. We'll see. We'll they, see. Maybe they can double the price of popcorn.
they I think they've already done that a couple of times. Okay. <laughs> if you like streaming, if you think that streaming is the future of entertainment and you happen to be a college student, Hulu and Spotify have a deal for you. $5 a month you get your Hulu account and your Spotify account right now. That's pretty amazing, that isn't is it? That is very inexpensive. That is. And and I think what the idea is if you if they can introduce something to you early. If you buy a Toyota car your as your first car, mm-hmm. the chances of you buying a Toyota car the second time are very high. Correct. I'm sorry. If you buy a Kia as your first automobile, the, the chances of buying a Kia as your next. This is how brands build themselves. Yeah, sure. And so, you know, we're not usually the, the market for, say, the Chevy. Um, they'll go after the young people, the idea of trying to get that second thing. The Netflix is typically th- sought as as the premium right. service. Uh, Hulu certainly is not is a premium service, but my point is is that if if I'm choosing Hulu because it's five bucks a month, there's plenty to watch there. I don't disagree with you. And Spotify is still the leader in streaming music. It is, but the, you know the competition from Apple Music, mm-hmm. the competition from all the other streaming services, title of course, uh, we're all looking there. <laughs> Uh, but the the, the competition is very high, yeah. and that brand loyalty. This is this is old, this is old school Midwest marketing right That's here. Right. <laughs> That's right. What, I want to go back to college so I can get some of these deals. <laughs> I'll have a college student before you know it. That'll be a cheap way to get through. Oh wait, <laughs> good. You are. <laughs> Okay, Chip, you find these stories, and you are now looking into what's going on in Cleveland at Taco Bell. Steve, Cleveland and Taco Bell certainly are having their challenges. (laughs) You have two stories here. The first one, there was a robber in a Taco Bell in Cleveland who was shot by an employee of that Taco Bell. Steve, there was a robber who went to a Taco Bell. Uh Uh-huh. And uh, I guess the the guy working there had was packing heat. Anyway, um, anyway, th- we're very sorry someone died, but it was an it was another thing. This happened, you know, recently. But earlier this year, we had another uh, situation an happening. Altercation. That's right. That made the newspaper, and that was the uh, the person. <laughs> they were out of either fire sauce, and they only had mild. Anyway, they had to call the police, Steve, because there wasn't the right thing at the Taco Bell in Cleveland. That's right. What is going on in Cleveland? Cleveland and their Taco Bells. They go together. Very interesting. You got some good news for me, Steve. Yeah, there, there's always good news in the world. There's there's a story here about a 13-year-old girl who unfortunately passed away, but her donated organs went on to help a record eight different people. That is... That's beautiful. That is an incredible, mm-hmm. incredible uh, thing to happen. <laughs> All right, so we, we've got, uh, this is a wonderful story yeah. about a, a person who, unfortunately, she passed away, but uh, she was able to, this is the largest number of organs ever been to be taken from a person to be able to be used Beautiful on other people. Uh, obviously, um, if you remember Coleman Sweeney uh, from a, a while ago, his, uh, his advertisement about being an organ donor. Is obviously um, not quite as touching a story. <laughs> he was kind of a jerk, Steve. <laughs> but you can be a jerk, and your organs are not jerks. Your organs can help other people. If you've never watched uh, Coleman Sweeney's um, ad <laughs> about being an or- uh, organ donor, 
Um, probably it'll be in our notes. Yeah, go to our show notes and, and click on that if you're if you're looking for a good laugh in, involved with with death and saving people. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's an interesting look at the idea of of what we can do. Coleman was not a very nice person, but this girl obviously um, she yeah. thought of a lot of people, and we all can be organ donors. There, there you go. That's <laughs> if all else fails, we can all be organ donors. That's a good way to look at it, Chip. It's a great way of doing something. Unforeseen things happen. Yeah, and and we can help in other ways. There's there's all these there's so much suffering in the world right now. There's all these hurricanes, and the earthquake in Mexico was devastating. And and we can help out. There's there's all sorts of ways to help out. Go go do something. Do well, that's something, right. We had man. Harvey. In fact, we we've uh, Irma's going through as of this recording. It has not hit Florida yet. But uh, it will be hitting on Monday, yesterday, mm-hmm. and uh, there's going to be a lot of damage. There's going to be a lot of damage and a lot of people in need. So you can do something. Just do something. I'm, I'm not going to say specifically what you should do, but money is the thing that the, the charitable organizations are looking for the most right now. They're not looking for diapers. They're not looking for water. They're looking for the, the ability to do the things that need to be done on the ground right now. There you go. And find find your charity that you, you want to go to. Yep. Anyway, that's a good way of, of taking care of that. Yeah. There's there's no perfect answer, but we can do what we can do. I think we have enough information to survive another week. What do you think, Chip? Only if we can come back next week, Steve. I think we can. If you need more information, our phone number is 805-410-4TMS. Call us. Leave a message. We'll probably play it on the show. You can go to our website, toomuchscrolling.com. Our email is toomuchscrolling at gmail.com. We're on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. You can find us on iTunes and Stitcher and TuneIn Radio. And every day of the week, you can find all the news that you need on our website, news.toomuchscrolling.com. I want to thank you again for listening to Too Much Scrolling. I'm Steve Foder. I'm Chip Hessenflow. We'll see you in the future. I just